Welcome to the I Am Woman Project. I'm your host, Catherine Plano. I am a creative soul adventurer, a modern day alchemist, and a transformational coach for entrepreneurs, businesses, leaders, and for those who want to break the cycle of convention and redefine success one step at a time. I am on a mission to empower the conscious people of this world, those who seek to learn, grow, understand and become the very best version of themselves that they can be. Every week we have thought leaders, change instigators and inspirational human beings from around the globe that offer you profound teachings and recent discoveries from the world of neuroscience, positive, cognitive and spiritual psychology to help you build wealth, health, love and achieve lasting transformation. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning, connection, and resilience into your life and your business. This week, I am super excited about our guest. We have Dr. Daniela Olson, known as Dr. Danny. When faced with a diagnosis of a tumor that had caused blindness and infertility, Dr. Danny used this opportunity to transform a tragedy into triumph. Months after opening her first practice, she had to make a decision of whether or not to go through surgery because this type of tumor returns 80% of the time after surgical removal. And she realized that there had to be a reason as to why it developed in the first place. She had been fascinated by the power of the brain and spinal cord since she was 10 years old after a friend was paralyzed in a car accident. Even at that young age, Dr. Danny spent hours looking through her intricate drawings in her favorite book, Gray's Anatomy. This passion led her to pursue a major in biology at St. Olive College and earn her doctorate from Northwestern Health Science University. With determination to heal herself naturally, she went on a fast, prayed, meditated and sought cranial care. All of her hard work and focus to heal was a success with her tumour vanished in a matter of minutes during a cranial session. A divine encounter with an angel and her deceased father gave her the answer of why she developed this tumor and she experienced firsthand the power that makes the body heal itself. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Well, all the way from Los Angeles today, we have Dr. Danielle Olson, known as Dr. Danny. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's nice to be here. It's a pleasure. I can't wait to get into this after having a conversation with you. So we always love to start the show with uh, asking a woman of inspiration her unique story. So Dr. Danny, tell us your unique story and what inspired you to do what you do today. Oh, wow. I got, <laughs> I've got quite a unique story. Um, fascinating things that have happened, and I'm so thrilled to share them. I think the, the most interesting place to start would be from when I was almost two years old. My brother found me face down in a lake, and I was wearing a snowsuit. I lived in Minnesota at the time. And so you can imagine how cold the lakes are there. <laughs> and I was wearing this, this snowsuit. And, um, I was not breathing. I was face down in the water, motionless. And my brother saw me and grabbed me by the hood of my my snowsuit and lifted me out of the water. And I guess I always felt like I was different than everybody else in my family, which is weird because I have an identical twin sister as well. But I always felt very different and I couldn't figure it out um, what the essence was that that just made me feel like I was just a little bit more tapped into the world or something. I just I, I never quite knew what it was. And then um, when I was 15, I also had another near drowning. And in both of these instances, I went down the the tunnel that people talk about. I saw the light. Um, I wasn't afraid of death. And it was so beautiful. And years later, I was um, dealing with a health issue that that I had that we're definitely going to have to talk about. And I had a memory of that 
first drowning from when I was a toddler. And I, I all of a sudden sensed this peace and then I saw the light and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, this had happened to me and, and nobody had ever said anything about it. And I asked my mom about it afterwards and she said, oh, you remember that? We didn't think it was that big of a deal. And when he pulled you out, I mean, you started breathing and we, you know, we got you all changed and put dry clothes on and we all went home and, and yeah, it was fine. But my brain had that memory and that was so interesting. I, I've always been really fascinated with um, brains and spinal cords. And my, um, my brother's friend was paralyzed in a car accident when I was 10. And I remember even as a little 10 year old, trying to figure out how it worked. Like, well, how come he could play football one day and then after a car accident, he can't move. And in one instance, it was kind of fascinating. I was in a mall with my, my mom and my sister. And remember how I was telling, how I always felt like I had a really different connection to things. Like I was very, um, I don't want to say sensitive, but just really no, it was very noticeable of things around me. And we were in this mall and I was walking about probably 30 feet from me. I felt what almost felt like a electrical shock from the right. And I turned and I was like, what in the world was that? And my mom's like, what's wrong? And I said, hold on. And I went over across the, the way in this mall and I picked up a book and it was sitting on a table outside during one of these sidewalk sales. And I picked it up and I said, Mom, can I have this? And she said, well, what is it? And I said, Gray's Anatomy. And she said, you want an anatomy book? Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't know, Mom. I, I need it for some reason. And she said, well, how much is it? And it was a dollar. And I would sit as a kid and I would pour through these pages of, of this Gray's Anatomy. And it was so fascinating to me. I didn't understand a lot of it, but I, I knew that someday I was going to do something with spinal cords. I just, I just knew it. And I ended up um, going into chiropractic school. And my dad had told me about chiropractors. I'd never heard of them. But the first time that I went to go see this man, the, the chiropractor, I was just going to watch what he did all day. And he never actually explained what he was doing. But at the end of the day, he said, well, we should probably check your spine for subluxations. And I said, well, I've never had back pain. And he said, well, that doesn't matter. We'll check anyway, because if the bones aren't, aren't sitting in the right place, it's going to press on the nerves and the brain's not going to be able to communicate to the body. Right. And it still didn't quite register with me. And he did one adjustment in my back. And this issue that I had been having with my stomach for three months was gone. Okay. The funny thing was, is I didn't even realize that it was gone until that night I went out to eat with my dad. And he said, sweetie, your stomach must be feeling better. You're eating so well. And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, is your stomach bothering you? And I said, no, why would it be bothering me? And it was so funny because I didn't realize, because it wasn't there, just with the issue and the pain was not present, that it was completely out of my memory. And all of a sudden I was like, well, that's weird. <laughs> How does that work? And he said, well, didn't he explain what he was doing? I said, not really. And with that whole experience, I realized that understanding that the brain runs everything I wanted to learn everything I could possibly learn about it. And so that's when I decided that I'm going into chiropractic school. I'm going to get this doctorate. It trains you in such great ways to look at the body, not just physically, but chemically and spiritually and emotionally. We're complicated, so complicated. And I'm so grateful to have that background. So now I get to share it with people out in Los Angeles. Mm. And I live really close to LAX. So I have a lot of people from all over the world that come here to see me because I'm only about three miles away from there. And and I love the way that you actually weave it into, it's not just the, the physical, but you were talking about emotional, mental and spiritual. Because I see that you also do Reiki and craniopathy, uh, which is quite unique. It is. I know people ask me, you know, do you know anybody that does what you do in my area? <laughs> but if you know of them, let me know. <laughs> I would love to meet them. I, it's a very unique way of looking at people. And I think one of the um, the highlights, I think, of, of things that I can share with people is my own journey to um, healing and, and really understanding the complexity and, and how thoughts can become things and emotions can become diseases. And when I was um, 
31 years old. I had just graduated from school with my doctorate. I'd opened a practice with my friend and I started having all kinds of weird symptoms. If, uh, my eyes were constantly watering. I started getting headaches, which I had never had headaches before. And I, I stopped having menstrual cycles. And, you know, I thought it was all the stress of the new practice. And one day I was driving and this car went by me and I, and I didn't even see it coming. And all of a sudden I realized that my peripheral vision had been going away. And it, all of a sudden it, it scared me because I'm like, wait a minute, you know, when, when it was slowly going away, I didn't really notice it, but all of a sudden it was going really, really fast. And I was going blind very quickly. And, you know, being trained in neurology, I knew that I had to have some sort of a, a mass in my head. I, it just, it made sense with the, with the headaches and the vision loss and the hormonal issues and all the, all the things that point to tumor. And with the type of tumor that I had, they came back in 80% of the cases after surgery. And so I just, I didn't want to do surgery. I just thought, you know, here I've got this doctor that tells me that the power that made the body can heal the body. I'm going to figure out why I have this, because if it's going to come back after surgery, I want to figure out what the cause of it is. And this is where my, my love of, of cranial anatomy started to happen because I met a cranial sacral therapist and I had met her months earlier I did not understand what she did because in our doctorate, we were not trained in craniopathy. This was a, a, a post-doctorate um, study that I've been doing for years and years, decades, actually. And I went to go see this craniosacral therapist that I had met because I wanted a place to really be quiet and try to figure out why I had this tumor. And, you know, I had a toddler and I had this new practice and I'd built a house and just all the stresses of, of living, but also the stress of, I just need to get inside and be quiet and figure out what's going on. So it worked out perfectly to meet with this cranial sacral therapist. And quite honestly, I didn't really feel anything the first time she did anything. The second time I was going blind so fast, it was the following week. And I thought the whole time I was driving there, I was looking through my vision was maybe about the size of a quarter, which is really scary to drive when you can't see. And um, I remember the whole time I was driving, my intention was today's the day. I've got to figure this out. I got to figure out what the root cause of this is. And you can call it prayer. You can call it meditation. You can call it whatever you want. I was hell bent on making sure that it was going to happen. I was going to figure it out that day. So when I got to her place, I opened the door and I'm like, out of my way. <laughs> I'm focusing. I've got intention. I'm going to make this happen today. I'm going to figure out what's the cause of this. And she's like, okay, okay, go ahead, lay down. And I, um, I was laying there and all of a sudden I, I started realizing that it felt like somebody was watching me and we were alone in the room. And she actually lives on a houseboat, so we were alone on the boat. But I felt the presence of somebody there with me. And she said, well, there's nobody here. And I said, so weird. I mean, it was so real. And then as I was laying there, I realized that this vision of this rock face cliff was developing on, on the left side. I had my eyes closed, but this is the first time I'd ever really had a visualization of something like that and so i was telling her about it, I'm like what do you think this means and she said i don't know describe it to me and honestly i think that was the thing that really helped was to have her kind of guiding me through to to really look at the details of what this image was and i could see places to, to you know from my hands and my feet to go and and she said well maybe you should be climbing it and i said you want me to climb the imaginary cliff okay <laughs> I can I can imagine that. So I started climbing up this imaginary cliff and I got maybe eight feet from the top and all of a sudden I felt like somebody grabbed me from behind my armpits and lifted me on top of the cliff. And I was standing there, so I told this woman about it and I said, This is so weird. Like somebody just lifted me up here and I don't feel anybody. I don't see any colors or sounds or anything. Wait a minute, there's somebody here with me. And I could feel this energy of this man within my right arm's reach and I was telling her about it I said oh my gosh this this is not human <laughs> the love that was emanating from this man was so incredibly powerful I said it has to be an angel um, 
that's the only thing I can think of. And she goes, oh, sounds like you found yourself a helper. <laughs> and I said, that happens? Like, wow, this is crazy. And she said, well, maybe you should ask him some questions. And I, I didn't know what to do. I mean, this was a completely different thing than anything I'd ever heard of before. So the first obvious thing I asked him was, I'm the healthiest person I know. I mean, I'm spiritually strong. I, I exercise. I eat really well. Why do I have this tumor? And he said, you need to look within. This was the beginning of my ability to um, communicate with guides, which has been very, very helpful when working with clients. And the second thing I asked him was, am I going to be successful with how I'm approaching this? I had fasted for 10 days. Um, I prayed, I meditated. I, I, I think the key here is I believed without a doubt that I could figure it out and that my body could heal. That was the, a really, really key point was there was no wavering. I knew I could do it. Oh, stubborn Gemini. <laughs> and the third thing I asked him was, how's my dad? And my dad had died four and a half years earlier. So he had never seen me get into my doctorate. He'd never met his granddaughter. And one of the things I really wanted to have another baby and I, I couldn't just because my hormones were so screwed up and I mean, I didn't know what my life was going to be. I was going blind so fast and the headaches were just so unbearable. And when I asked him about my dad, he disappeared. And so now I'm laying there and I'm a little kind of pissed <laughs> or, or frustrated. Like what, what just happened? Why did he leave? I mean, we were having such a cool conversation. And as I was talking to this craniosacral therapist about, it, I said, you know, is this normal? for your sessions? And she said, oh, no, no, this is all you, dear. <laughs> I said, that was so amazing to be able to communicate with somebody like that. And that love was so incredible. And all of a sudden, as we're talking, I realize he's back, but he's on the other side of the, the room. And I look over and he's got my dad with him. Mm. And he was, it was so beautiful. My, my dad was on his right side and he was holding kind of supporting my dad's wrist and my elbow and leading him to me. Like you asked about your father, here he is. And I started crying. I mean, I, I couldn't stop. I just, I couldn't believe it. I told him all about, you know, dad, I, I got my doctorate. You have a granddaughter. I really want to have another baby. I can't. I asked this guy why I have this tumor. Dad, it's so crazy. You should see it on an MRI. It's huge. And I just, I'm so scared and I don't know what to do. And this guy's told me I need to look within and I don't understand what that means. And he said, I'm proud of you, baby. And I immediately calmed down and I said, oh, Dad, I feel so bad I didn't see you before you died. And he had been dealing with cancer for years. And I was 26 years old when he died. And honestly, the thought of being there to see him take his last breaths, I, just, I couldn't do it. And I ended up going to Mexico. And while I was in Mexico, this little boy on a a bicycle came up to my condo and he had a piece of paper in his hand and he handed it to me and it says, dad died, call sister. And, okay. You know, finally it's over. But when I realized as I was talking to my dad and I said, I feel so bad. I didn't see you before you died. I went, I didn't see you before you died. The tumor was behind my optic nerves. And I said, I manifested this. Oh my God, I manifested this. We learned this in my doctorate that people can manifest the diseases if they have emotional issues or you know, regrets or, or memories or trauma. Or, and as soon as I acknowledged that, this light came through the ceiling and it, it went into my head and lit up my whole body. I mean, it was this light that does not exist on earth. And it was the light that I saw in my near-death experiences, and I knew I was being healed. Now, the human part of me was still kind of thinking, oh, can this really happen? You know, but, but then I was like, no, 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 it's definitely happening. I feel it. I feel this light coming into me. It was bathing every cell with this healing energy. And I just I loved it. It felt so amazing. And it lasted for several minutes, and then it, it came out of the top of my head and I, I laid there for a while being afraid to open my eyes because I didn't want to be disappointed. But when I finally opened them, my vision was perfect. And I mean, I was doing the peripheral nerve tests, you know, <laughs> checking my fingers, you know, like, oh my God, I can see him, I can see him. 
everything was brighter. I I was so elated and and so amazed too, and so excited because I knew it had worked. And I remember calling my mom when I got out to my car, and I'm like, I can see. <laughs> I saw Dad, and I had all this stuff happen. It was so amazing. But what happened um, after that was I would go into my practice, and you can imagine that my whole essence of living and, and understanding the power of healing changed in that moment. And by the way, my follow-up MRI, I didn't even have scar tissue. It went from being this huge, like about the size of a large marble mass on the MRI to not even any scar tissue on the follow-up. And so I knew with certainty that the body can heal itself. And so that's, that's what got me so excited. So people would come in with these really unusual um, cases and, and I, I could sense things so differently. And this is where um, Reiki became so interesting to me because like, I, anybody that had MS, multiple sclerosis, I could see it and I, I could see what was going on in their, in their cranium. And, and I believed that they could be healed. And like, I had one woman that was um, blind in one eye. Her vision came back. Um, a, a quadriplegic who now can walk with assistance. I mean, I was looking at people so differently with these eyes of divine, I guess. And even a lot of women that were having troubles with fertility. And this is one thing that I always want to say to my ladies that are dealing with fertility. They tend to focus on infertility in the traditional world of healthcare. And when you say infertility, you're attracting that to yourself. But when you say fertility, you're attracting possibilities. And so over the course of, of working with these, these women that supposedly thought that they were infertile, I would see all these patterns of, of things. That if the cranial bones weren't moving right, the pituitary gland wouldn't work right, and the part of the brain that ran the, the ovaries and uterus needed to be fired up, or maybe their psoas muscles were contracted on, in their pelvis. It was just so interesting. We've got all these little babies in the world now, because I believed, and so did the mamas. Mm, that's so beautiful. So, Dr. Danny, I'm curious, and I'm sure our listeners are, too, in, with craniotherapy, what exactly do they do? Um, what we do is we analyze the different bones of the skull for the movement that patterns that they have. A lot of people don't realize that the skull is made up of separate bones, and so there's joints between each of these these bones, and as you breathe in, the, the head moves in a position where it almost works like a, like a syringe, pulling the cerebral spinal fluid up and around the brain. And when you breathe out, it pushes the waste products out. So it's this beautiful pumping mechanism between the, the skull and the pelvis, keeping the brain healthy. And one of the things that I know, thinking of, of fertility, um, there's a pattern that I noticed on people that I finally picked up on what it was, and it was C-section heads. <laughs> I'd feel this pattern, so the frontal bone where your um, forehead is should have this very specific motion as you breathe in, it kind of rolls forward and pulls up, and um, C-section people had a really restricted frontal bone, and underneath where the frontal bone and the, the parietal bones behind it join is the area of the brain where depression, frustration, and anxiety tend to happen. And these were people that their whole lives were spent either super anxious or dealing with depression. And all of a sudden I started to put two and two together and I'm like, you know what? People need to know about this because it's a really easy fix. And so what I do in craniopathy is I feel what those bones of the skull are doing and the pelvis because they work together. If they're not moving right, I direct the movement. I, I hold it in the direction that it need the bone to release, and their breathing is actually what does the correction. It's a really, really gentle um, way of taking care of your brain. People love it. You get, you know, help with migraines and and sinus issues and teeth clenching at night. And there's so many things. Parkinson's and um, like I said, with MS, that that was a huge one. I noticed a pattern in them that tended to happen in the the palate or the roof of their mouth. It's really, it's really, really something, and and it's so 
gentle. A lot of people have a hard time believing that it's working, but then I show them, you know, indicators in their body, like, you know, maybe their, their right hip might be tight. And then I do one little movement of their, their cranium. All of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, my leg totally moves. He didn't even touch my leg. And like, I'm touching the part of the body that runs your leg. And I'm also affecting the fascia that's inside your body that you can't touch. It's, it's fun. It's, I have a great, great time in my, mm. my little space here. Uh, the reason I was asking is because I, I used to go on a regular basis every week to a chiropractor and um, I used to always get a little bit nervous around getting my neck cracked and um, mm-hmm. I have got, I think if anything, I've got um, damage from it and not, not healing from it. So I'm, I stay right away and that's why when I, you were speaking about craniotherapy, I was very curious because I can relate to a lot of the stuff that you were saying. But there was also that part of me that, is it going to be painful? Is it going to be that? Uh... Oh, no, no, no. No, and you know, that's the one thing. There's a, there's a misconception for a lot of people with chiropractic. There are so many different techniques of chiropractic. I, I look at it as, well, like we talked about. I mean, there's so many aspects to the human body, mind, spirit. The doctorate that I have uses all of those. And so do my colleagues. Now, there are some people that, you know, quote, unquote, crack necks, it's actually adjusting the vertebrae. But um, there are techniques that it can do, like, I use a technique called biogeometric integration that works so well, you, you basically connect three different points of neurology, and you hold them. Okay, there's no forcing, there's no um, pushing, it's holding three neurological points. And all of a sudden, you'll feel the muscles in the neck that have been at that vertebrae that have been so sore. All of a sudden, they just kind of, they just release. And people are like, what just happened? (laughs) And my massage therapist friends are like, how do you do that? I can work on that muscle for an hour and it won't go away. And like, we're working with the brain and how the brain communicates to the body. So much of what um, I have learned over the years is I've worked with uh, what's called sacrooccipital technique, and I belong to two different research organizations that use gravity and breathing to do most of the work that we that we do. It's it's all on the the client's breathing patterns and you know us being able to analyze exactly what's going on with them putting these little wedge-shaped blocks under their pelvis that correct the pelvic part of the movement and then we can go up to the cranium and make sure that that's working right Mm, but we do other things too i mean working with shoulders and you name it any joint we know how to help it (laughs) and (laughs) so we figure out maybe what might be going wrong with it or if there's a a movement pattern because a lot of times like i'll have people come in uh, let's say with a right shoulder issue and they have gone to everybody and I'm looking at them, you know, what's, okay, what's going on in your brain, what's going on in these different neurological indicators that we can look at throughout the body. And I'll find issues with their liver. Well, the liver refers to the right shoulder. So if the brain isn't able to talk to the liver properly, the nerves that go out and synapse in the shoulder are going to fire up and you're going to have a shoulder issue, even though the, that's not the problem. The problem is maybe the person might be dehydrated or maybe they're using uh, artificial sweeteners in their, in their food, these things that just really set off the liver. And then there's these um, points that we can use to, to fire up the, the liver that you can stimulate the eighth thoracic vertebrae and, and open the communication pattern between the brain and the, and the liver. There's also ones on the front of the body and you're basically holding them. You're holding them and reminding the brain that this is the pattern you're supposed to be doing. It sounds simple. It's freaking complicated, (laughs) but I'm trying to keep it kind of simple for our audience. Mm. And so in doing that, whether, and this is more so around uh, craniopathy, is that right? What you're talking about with craniopathy using in conjunction with Reiki. Right. So Reiki, uh, I did my Reiki master certification after my experience with my tumor healing, because I realized the power that could come through us that could, that could heal people. Mm. When I would work with people, I would remember what that light felt like, that, that beautiful divine light. And I mean, I could close my eyes right now and I can see it and, and I visualize it going into people. And then, um, you know, years into people, I mean, they jokingly called it Dr. Danny's mojo because we didn't know what to call it. I just knew that it worked <laughs> and that, that power healed me that if I could place it into people or visualize it going into people that 
they would have miracles happen. Mm. And if they were open to receiving it, that's that's an important part. They'll need to be able to be open to receiving. But I ended up meeting um, several years later. I met some cranial or not Reiki masters, and I said, "So what is Reiki?" And they were describing it to me. You know, we're generating this this chi and this light through people. I'm like, "Wait a minute, that's not like what I do. I should learn that." <laughs> and so I spent the next couple of years uh, taking courses in that. So at least I would have a name for it. Mm. So anytime I'm working with somebody, like people will come in and they'll say, um, "Can I have a Reiki session today?" And I'm like, "I do Reiki every time I touch you." <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's kind of nice to have all these different modalities, I guess you will, or approaches to working with people, you know, is this a cranial issue that they're having today? Is it, um, is it a biomechanical issue? Is it a energy issue? I mean, it's, it's so fun to be able to pull out all these different hats and go, okay, we're going to start here and then see where we, where we move on. And it's, it's fun. It's powerful. Mm. And it it's is exciting very powerful. because I never know. I mean, I never know what I get to do each day. Like yeah. I, my work is not work. My work is my joy. Mm, absolutely. I have a hard time calling work. A lot of times I just call it share. Yeah. <laughs> Let's share. Yeah. And, and play. And play is a very big part of it. Absolutely. Uh, and I think that uh, when you're saying you have to be open to it, you sh- you do have to be open to it. Um, uh, and that's what I love. I love the fact that you combine all modalities uh into the actual client's needs at the time of them coming to see you, which I love. It's not it's not them coming to say, you know, I've got, you know, this, I've got a sore neck, can you fix up my neck? You can actually have a look at all levels. You know, you can look at their physical body, their emotional, their mental, their spiritual to be able to identify what's the best treatment for this client today. Yeah, where and where do we start? Mm-hmm. I think that's really important too. I know um, it was one thing I wanted to share with you that I thought was kind of interesting. Remember, I was telling you that after meeting this this angel, mm-hmm. that it, sometimes I I get guidance while I'm working with with people. I'll have images or words or maybe a, maybe a deceased loved one might show up. I don't do that on purpose, but if if it happens, I certainly I'm going to acknowledge it. But one of the things that happened one time was um, this man had come in and he said, Dr. Danny, I am so stuck right now. I've got so many blocks. You've just got to figure out these blocks. Well, part of the Qigong training that I did was to to use Qi to move energy through people, kind of like Reiki does as well. But it's also using different meridians and and visualizing the, the Qi flowing through these different meridians. But as he was describing how he needs help with these blocks. Can you check my chakras? My guidance all of a sudden came in. Here's like, what, 20, 21 years after my tumor is healed. And my guide is very, very clear. And they said, instead of calling them blocks, think of them as gates. It will mm. be much easier. And I was like, holy profound guidance. I love it. <laughs> why, why have you not told me that 21 years ago? All these years, people have been talking about blocks, and it's actually a gate. And, you know, this man, it was so exciting. He was having, um, like a lot of people out here do in the, in the business, he was having a hard time finding jobs, acting jobs. And by changing his thought process, instead of having to push through these impossible blocks and simply opening gates, He's got so many gigs right now. It's so fun to watch. I never get to see him because he's always working. But isn't that fun that we can do something so completely unexpected? I mean, I didn't see that coming, but that was a brilliant piece of guidance. Absolutely. And now, yeah, I think it's the meaning we give it. And I I say the same thing. I always say obstacles will show uh, us the way forward so it's not a block it's it's like you said but I've, I like the fact that you just gone it's a gate because it is it's it, it opens you up into where to from here you're not right. allowing it to stop you so Dr. Danny there is one thing that I would love to uh, talk about and we started talking about it before uh, we got on to the show was about uh, EMF protection which I think was uh it's very important for our listeners to know a little bit about it. Would you like to share your experience around that, please? Sure, I can do that. Um, one of the things that I 
have loved doing over the last couple of decades is I love going to research conferences. And I was actually at a sacro-occipital technique conference in Denver in October, and we were talking about this 5G and, and everybody's so nervous about what's this doing to our planet and what's this doing to our bodies and then the animals and the plants and everything around us. And it was just kind of a, a sideline as we were talking about it. We were talking about how to protect ourselves. And... I've always been really careful about my wordage of things because I'm like, boy, if you say protection, then it makes you feel like you're being threatened. And I, and I don't like to go there. But I saw with my own eyes, as we were testing different EMF um, neutralizing stickers. You'll see them, you'll see them around or there's um, or down pyramids and, and um, Faraday's. And I mean, there's so many different things that have been invented to help people get protected from the EMF radiation. And we were testing different little stickers with um, muscle testing people. So having them hold their arm up and, and we'd hold a phone in front of them and all of a sudden they can't hold their arm up. But if you put a little sticker on it, and we did it, it was funny too, because we put stickers on some phones, but not on other ones. And we tested them and every single person, they didn't know what they were being tested for. They didn't know if that phone had an EMF uh, radiation sticker on it or not and everybody would lose their strength when they had the ones without the stickers on it and I said I've got to share this with people I, d I don't know a ton about it I just saw it with my own eyes I'm like wow these little things work and so I, I put it on my website even though it doesn't it doesn't like match in with a lot of what I do because so much of what I do is neurology but we do need to educate people about the fact that you really do have ways that you can help yourself and it's super easy you just mm. peel these little stickers off and you put them on your your microwave and your cell phone um, your appliances i have them on my tv my wi-fi and what they found that you know i started doing a little bit more reading about it and a lot of times people were having issues with anxiety you know talking on their phone and, and they're blaring this radioactive waves into their ear and into their brain and all of a sudden you put this little sticker on and you're protected about it and you're not having you know anxiety or concentration issues and things like that so it's a simple fix mm. and it's interesting what i think we really do need to be aware of right oh, now absolutely so and I, I do see that it fits in with what you do because it's a for me it's a holistic approach it's all about well-being and health mm -hmm. and i think that emf protection or let's not call it protection because I, I think the same thing when you say protection it's almost like the brain thinks that it's been attacked now if you actually start right. using the word protection but i love the fact that it is exposure to radiation and people need to know about it because they can um, induce the likes of anxiety depression memory and concentration uh, loss as well so i think it goes well with what you do thank you mm. So, Dr. Danny, as um, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration about pain points, so is there anything, whether it's life or work, it doesn't sound like you have any pain points because you love what you do, but we believe everyone has pain points. And those pain points could be those things that um, the little resistance we have. Uh, and if you do have them, how do you find a solution to your pain points? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm human, so I'm, I am going to have pain points. You know, I look at life very differently than I think a lot of people. There are there have been some instances in my, my life that I thought, what on earth? <laughs> Why is this happening to me? Um, but then I came up with an idea, and I said, you know, we have the ability to change our minds and change our thoughts about things. And so I, I came up with this, this funny thing. I mean, I, I, I look back on things like, what's the opportunity I get to learn from here? You know, was it something that I did? Um, and kind of let it go. But I also, I also call it the manure. And manure is a, it's a great fertilizer for growing things. I'm from the Midwest, so <laughs> I know that. Uh, sometimes we have to deal with the stink of manure to enjoy the beautiful flowers and the bountiful harvest that come because of, of that manure being dumped in. Um, 
it might sound flowy and, and silly, but it is a funny way to just go, wow, that really stunk. <laughs> I wonder what's going to grow out of this. So that's that's a funny way that I deal with it. But I also I also think through the human aspect of things. Um, I look at people with, you know, something something bad has happened, and and I think, wow, what are they going through? You know, somebody's you know slamming their out here, horns are going crazy, and you know, people are going nuts in their car, and and I'll step back and just go, you know what, they might be having a really bad experience you know maybe maybe their kid is sick maybe maybe they just don't feel well and kind of give them their space um i guess that's not really a pain point but it is a different way of of looking at people i know you know when i first moved out to los angeles at first i was like oh my gosh this is a big city it is a big crowded city how did i end up here and i was driving the first time and I thought, oh my God, I can't believe I'm driving out here. I don't enjoy driving. Uh, I, I'll do it, but I I don't enjoy it at all. And I remember thinking, how am I going to live in this city? <laughs> because there's so much traffic. And my my guidance came through and, and said, just think of it as a river. Just get in the flow. You can't change it. So just flow. And that really changed my mindset. Now, once in a while, I still get stuck in traffic, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. But you just have to step back and go, well, you know, it is what it is. It's a beautiful place to live. The people here are amazing. That, that one really surprised me because I left Minnesota nice, and I thought, oh, my gosh, what have I done coming out to Los Angeles? But they really, really are wonderful. And maybe it's because that's what I'm looking for, too. Mm, yeah. And I just like the the, the way you say um, – you flowing go with the flow and I think that that's one thing we don't we try to push and make things happen instead of allowing things to come to us and go with the flow if you push you're going to get resistance yeah yes right Mm -hmm. yeah that's correct um, but that, that is a, an important, I think, it is a, a pain point. When you look at it from a pain point, the pain point is uh, not being in flow. And I think that we all try too hard to get to a, a destination or try too hard to push for a deal to come through or try too hard to, to um, for a relationship to work. But when we just let go and surrender and go with the flow, it's – there's no resistance and it's easier then to work with what's, you know, in front of you. Absolutely. So the other thing that we do, Dr. Danny, as we start wrapping up the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. What would be that one word for you? Oh, wow. Happy. <laughs> yes. You said that at the start, actually, that you're always happy. So I was, I was, thinking you would say that and of course absolutely and the other thing that we do as we wrap up the show final question is we ask our woman of inspiration to leave three shiny golden nuggets for our listeners today so what would be those three practical exercises that you would like to leave for our audience today oh wow um i think you know we're talking about that the power of women and just a real quick one that I think would be really good for people to to understand the the power of women. And we talk a lot about believing and 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 truly owning the the thought that we have. So when I started my first practice, um, I started it with a donation box with a friend of mine. Now we've got two young women, both of us with six-figure student loan debt putting a donation box in our very first practice. And people thought we were crazy. But we said, you know, the universe will give and receive. And we love what we do. And we love being with people. And we want to offer what we do for anybody to be able to come and get it. And we made a profit every month. And the funny thing was, is we we believed it would work. We were, um, we found this 
really crappy storefront that we rented and we did all the remodeling ourselves. And I remember when we were tearing up the third layer of third layer of carpet in this one room and I looked at my friend and I'm like, somebody should know about this. Two women doing all this work with this crazy idea of having a do donation box. Let's call somebody. And so I wrote um, to a, let's see, what did I do? I wrote to a women's press magazine and then I sent out press releases to every newspaper, radio, um, TV, any, anything I could think of. And I said, you know, these women are starting this practice. And we got so much notoriety because we believed in it. And the thing that was so funny is it worked so great for three years. It was all donations. And we always made a profit. And there were times, you know, you'd, you'd hear in the box, you know, clink, clink, some coins. And sometimes you'd open it up and there'd be a coupon for, you know, Subway sandwich or something like that. But it was so fun to, to give and to receive. So I think that that first golden nugget is to believe and trust in yourself and your vision. Um, the second one, this can, this can be more of a practical one because I know there's a lot of people out there that grind and clench their teeth when they sleep. So this is coming from the, the craniopath. That's me. So, there, there you are, girl. So the reason most often that people clench their teeth is actually an issue from the pelvis not being balanced quite right. So it's just not one side's moving just a little bit more than the other. Uh, so that can be addressed through using those blocks I was talking to you about that we use in sacrooccipital technique. But what people can do themselves and try it because it really, really works is before you lay down on the bottom of your feet, right in where the, what would be called the metatarsal arch. So the um, kind of below where your toes are on the bottom of your feet, not the ball of your foot, but next to that. If you rub that area before you lay down, a lot of times you will stop clenching your teeth. That's a, a Qigong meridian that I learned it's part of the whole SOT protocol that we do as well. So you got to do it before you lay down because the reason the brain wants to clench at night is because it's figuring out that the pelvis seems unstable to the brain. So as soon as you don't have force on the pelvis and you're laying down, that's when the, the corresponding bones in the cranium that work with the pelvis want to clench down. So try it. It really works. Mm, I will. You do it about 20 20 seconds, maybe or so, 20, 30 seconds on each foot before you lay down. Okay. Third nugget I would have to absolutely say, know that the body has the power to heal. And the mind is a very, very powerful tool. If you can go in believing 100% and trusting that this body is capable of healing and there's so many aspects that are working together to keep you in harmony, know it can happen. I'm a perfect like poster child for emotional <laughs> manifestation. I uh, had no idea out of regret what could have developed in my head and how quickly it went away because I believed. Mm. I really honestly knew that it could heal. Yeah. That's amazing. And so, Dr. Danny, for those people that we have uh, a tribe of amazing, wonderful individuals from all over the world, do you do any distant healing for those that do live in other countries? Uh, how can they reach out to you? I, you know, I, I have done that in the past. Um, I think it's come to the time for me to be doing that mm. because it's, and I have some pretty amazing experiences. I know we don't have all day to talk about it, but you can do distance Reiki. Yeah. And um, I've even used some of the principles I learned in reconnection healing from Dr. Eric Pearl that visualizing that person, I need to know their name and where they're at. You know, if they're, maybe they're in a hospital, I write it down. I kind of tap in energetically to them, do an assessment. It, it sounds crazy, but it's it's pretty wild. No. But now that you're bringing this up, um, it probably has gotten to that point that I should be doing this. At first, I'm like, come on, I live so close to LAX. Just fly in, which a lot of people have, and it's been wonderful. But 
Mm. A gift of time, Catherine. You're putting I, it out there for I think, yep. This is um, not a coincidence that's, uh, that we are having this conversation. Maybe this is a calling for you to uh, do this because it, distant healing does happen. If you look at quantum mechanics and the quantum physics, there is no distance. Uh, there is the ability to tap into somebody's field and absolutely work with them. So um, I do believe in distant healing, absolutely. Dr. Danny, where is the best place for our listeners to find you? Probably on my website, drdanny.life, so D-O-C-T-O-R-D-A-N-I dot life, L-I-F-E. And we will have those uh, in the show notes with all your social media handles as well. Dr. Danny, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. It's been an absolute um pleasure to have you on the show i've written down so many notes and i can't thank you enough for sharing your wisdom your time your energy and keep doing the amazing work that you do thank you so very much Catherine, and you to keep doing your amazing work too i'm so grateful thank you thank you thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please share the show with your friends to help us make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes or please subscribe to the show. The more subscribers, the better the speakers for the show, which then means more value for you, so that together we can help the world become a better place. Don't give it another thought. Hit the subscribe button and help people get their weekly lessons. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift, where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplanner.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at katherineplano. That's it for now. Until next week, wishing you a fabulous day.